0: Welcome to the Screen Scene Society podcast, where people who work in the film industry watch a film or limited series and then gather in a Zoom room to talk about it. I'm Sabrina Furminger.
1: And I am Christian Sloan, and I call this meeting of the Screen Scene Society podcast to order. Sabrina, who's joining us in our Zoom room today.
0: Today's very special guests are two brilliant actresses and, dare I say, Amazonians. Sharon Taylor, whose lengthy list of credits includes Bad Blood, Ghost Wars, and Jan, and who also joined us for our pilot episode discussion about The Hunt, like 900 years ago, and Jill Morrison, whose recent credits include Motherland Fort Salem, The Haunting of Bly Manor, and Project Blue Book, and who will forever be known as the girl who doesn't even go here in Mean Girls.
1: Today, the screen scene society saw, WW84, or Wonder Woman 1984, or Wonder Woman 84, I'm not really sure, it seems to be all over the map. Uh, It's the latest film in the DC Extended Universe. It's a sequel to Patty Jenkins' groundbreaking and thoroughly entertaining 2017 blockbuster, Wonder Woman. This sequel brings the action forward to, obviously, the 80s with Gal Gadot reprising her role as the titular character, and Chris Pine returning as our favorite character with two first names, Steve Trevor. Uh, joining in the fund is Kristen Wigg, as Barbara Minerva, Cheetah, and Pedro Pascal, clearly having the time of his life as the villainous, but is he really Maxwell Lord? Uh, Patty Jenkins is back in the director's chair for this outing and has absorbed the scripting duties on the sequel. She shares credit with the story and screenplay with Jeff Johns and Dave Callahan. Uh, they take over from Alan Heinberg, who was credited with writing the first, along with story by credits for Zack Snyder and Jason Fuchs on the original Wonder Woman. Uh, Beyond the quality of the movie itself, WW84 has also set the entertainment industry on fire with the breaking of the standard three-month theatrical window. It's being the first film to debut day and date on HBO Max as well as theaters. It's all part of HBO Max's year-long plan to release all of their major films on its streamer for the year 2021. Uh, Theaters and filmmakers are all crying foul and the pundits are predicting that this is the end of the $200 million blockbuster film. So there's lots to talk about. We should dive in. Um, I one of the first things I did want to talk about before we really get to the film itself is the uh, blockbuster aspect of this wait, thing. Wait, we... wait. <laughs> oh, I see Sabrina waving.
0: <laughs> I do I do right. want to say something. Oh, okay. So uh, this discussion, this is my disclaimer. I'm gonna put on my my like very like my podcaster producer voice. Oh, yes, yes. This discussion will contain spoilers for Wonder Woman 1984 if you want to skip spoilers and go right into whether we recommend this film or not jump ahead to the time code in the show notes thank you
1: okay back to you Christian all right yeah obviously i want to dive into the movie itself but you know you guys are all part of the industry uh, Sharon and Jill and i'm just kind of curious what do you guys think like you know on this bigger thing like i miss going to the movie theaters i miss like seeing that big screen and the big rumble seeing tenant was like Oh, hearing the uh, Christopher Nolan big bass rumble and being like sort of overwhelmed by that. Um, Sharon, Jill, I'm just kind of curious. What do you think? Are we seeing the end of the $200 million blockbuster or is this a blip in the radar?
2: I feel like this is temporary. I think there will always be a desire for that. At least I certainly hope. Um, I think for for now, movies like this will not be getting made for probably the next couple of years. Everything's going to go straight to Netflix with some star names like the Chris Hemsworth one and things that went straight to Netflix. So yeah, we're not going to see big budget things like this for a while. But I think they'll be back.
1: <laughs> Jill, what do you think?
2: I think I don't know, man.
3: <laughs> like. <laughs> Look what happened yesterday! I'm like, what the shit? Blockbuster movies could be like have had a huge comeback in a month, or they could never be made again. I don't know. Tom Cruise probably is pissed off about it, though.
1: (laughs) Jill, do you see? Do you (laughs) see these movies? Do you get out there and are you much of a blockbuster type fan? Would you say? I mean,
3: I love going to the movies. That's you know, that was my childhood. There was nothing else to do. I, I love the movie theater. So I totally miss it. Um, and I would have loved to have seen this one on the big screen with all those action scenes. That would have been cool. It didn't, my, my TV didn't quite cut it. But, you know, so you miss that. And the surround sound, I miss that too. Especially with this music.
0: Being a student of history, or somebody who just watches the History Channel, um, and and also grew up watching movies from you know the late thirties and the forties, you know when um, the world was at war, you know and 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 yet a lot of the films from that time were all spectacle from Bugsby Berkeley, you know, to, to you know these, these films with like Gene Kelly and Fred Astaire and Bing Crosby, Ginger Rogers, like where, where it was Eleanor Powell, where it was, you know, it was these, oh, I was gonna say Hallmark, but, but it was like that kind of like, you know, the romance and singing and dancing and razzle dazzle, what, what for that generation, that audience was spectacle. Um, and I, I, so I think that there will always be a place like, so when you say the $200 million blockbuster film, I think that there will always be a, a need, like what that says to me is spectacle. And I think that there will always be a need for, for spectacle and for diversion. Um, I mean, but just like Jill, I don't have my my crystal ball's in the shop, so I don't know what it's going to look like. Um, I did find what Jill said very interesting, though, because she said, you know, what happened yesterday? We are recording on January 7th, 2021, uh, which is the day after January 6th, 2021, which was the day that we saw this very surreal siege of the U.S. Capitol Um Live on our TVs and it wasn't in the movie, you know, so it's, it's really, I mean, it's hard to predict what's going to to happen, but I think that human beings that we do need escape and, you know, whatever, whatever spectacle looks like, whatever your $200 million in 1940s money or, or, you know, 21st century money gets, we're still going to need whatever that gets us. And, um, I got that from this movie i totally did uh, so i i really love to ask everybody oh Sh- Sh- sharon you're waving is that waving or you're stretching
2: <laughs> from a business perspective obviously like movies like this they're not gonna rec- like they're not gonna make the money back for yeah. years and years and years to come so uh we won't know we won't know but i, I agree with you what you said sabrina it's just because of the past history and the need for spectacle when the money's back and the economy is booming in all aspects, then it'll come back.
0: Yeah, it's like they talk about, economists and historians talk about the lipstick index, uh, which is, you know, um, you know in, in, an, in an economy, you know, when there's a recession or a depression, you know, um, you can judge the health of an economy, you know, and where it is by how, I mean, <laughs> This was something made many years ago, so it's super sexist. But are women buying lipstick? You know, and so may- maybe we can judge ahead in the future. is like when we're will- when we're going to go and buy. You know, uh, how much we are willing to pay for entertainment? You know, like I don't know. I I, I need to to meet with my team of economic advisors to determine what the new uh, language is, uh, is. Well, mine are to here. Pay.
2: I'll get them. Yeah. <laughs> If we're using lipstick as a reference. uh, If we're using lipstick as a reference, I don't know if that's so, like, uh, relevant anymore. We're all wearing masks. Nobody wears lipstick anymore anyway, so.
0: Okay, I'm I'm so embarrassed to say this, but every time, like, I've seen you, you know, during the pandemic out in public keeping six feet from me, Sharon, I have been wearing lipstick underneath my mask, and there's, like, a permanent, like, you know, um, it's disgusting, a lipstick, like, a little, I'm always giving you a little kiss there. So can we talk about... The movie can we talk about the like everybody's first thoughts you know talking from their gut who wants to go first like i know my gut is busting but you know my 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 gut
1: could wait jill what do you what do you guys want to say what anybody first let's jump in with you sharon first impressions since uh as sabrina referred to you as the wonder woman of vancouver
2: so (laughs) When the movie obviously started and suddenly we were back in the Amazonian world, I was like, yes. And I thought it was so brilliant and smart that they set it to when she was even younger and like a little girl so that we could still get Robin Wright back and Connie Nielsen back. Because, you know, we had so much disaster in the first one and those women characters I loved. So to have them back in the opening, I was like, yes. And I loved that whole um, showcase, again, of the ladies on the horses shooting the bows and arrows. And I loved it as far as the opening. And then I got a lot more to say as we go on.
0: Yeah, yeah. What, ab- what about you, Jill? What was your first? Yeah, I
3: mean, I feel exactly the same way about the beginning. I loved it. Uh, and I love seeing all those women. And I thought the action was awesome. Mostly, I thought most of the action scenes were awesome but I really have a thing for women kicking ass. Like I just love it, even if it's mediocre. And I remember when like Laura Croft first came out, I was like, what is this? So no matter what, even if it's kind of mediocre, I'm like, kick his ass, kick it. Yeah.
0: That's how I feel. Um, I I feel very passionate about Wonder Woman just in general, Um, I mean, Anybody who has seen photos of the YVR screen scene office, um, who's seen me walking in public wearing clothing, like has, having Diana or Wonder Woman or whatever on it. Um, I I like for, for me this is this is like one of my this is one of the heroes that like I, I love and I also worry about too about how she's gonna be treated uh, in in pop culture. So I, I just I wanna hearken back to seeing the first Patty Jenkins' Wonder Woman in theater a few years back. What it meant to me as the as a woman and as the mother of a daughter to see this hero on screen. And I remember leaning forward in my seat as Diana. You know, they're saying you can't go into No Man's Land. You know, it's so dangerous. And she's like, "I am no man." And then she walked into No Man's Land. Like I cried. I I my, I, I was pointing at my daughter and be like, look at that. And she's like, okay, chill, you're embarrassing me. Um, That film was everything. And so, you know, for me, Wonder Woman 1984 had a lot to live up to. And so for me, my question that I was asking myself as I I sat down and watched it this morning, this morning in the aftermath of a crisis uh, that – a crisis in a location that we see in this film as well. So you can't help but draw some, you know, do a bit of transposing. I asked myself, did it live up to it? And in some ways, no, but because I'm not going to have that. I realize I'm not going to have that, you know, no man's land moment again. But I, I thought it was so much fun. Um, I, I just had to adjust my expectations a little bit, and I'd have I have a list. I'd love to hear yours as well. Uh, maybe you can, you know, I'd love. I want to hear Christian what he thought too. Um, of, but I have a list of my woo moments because there were once I got over once I got over that idea that this this movie wasn't because like that the first movie that changed film, how I look at film, that cha- that actually, that movie made me be like, oh, my daughter is going to grow up ha- seeing women like this on screen. And it's not just going to be like one character. Like, this is what the new normal, you know, is. And, you know, like, that's a, it's huge to be a trailblazer like that. And it's huge to, it, you know, it's difficult to make a sequel. So I had to kind of adjust my expectations. And once I did, I just, I, I laughed I cried. I just, I was, you know, I, I really enjoyed this, you know, for, for what it was, which was, you know, especially today on January 7th, I, at six in the morning when I watched it diversion, you know, it was, it was diversion for me. So I, but Christian Sloan, the 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 man here. Uh, I like. I just. I want to hear what you what you what you think of the film, and you know, uh, especially with your perspective as the dude, you know, um, which you can't help that perspective. I mean, we all. I watched that uh the first film that first time through my gaze as a woman jill talked about that she loves seeing women kick kick ass on screen you know it is it's you know and one of the reasons that i'm such a sharon taylor fan is because she does kick so much ass on screen and off screen you know so it's like i'm just curious like does this film how did this film touch you you know what did you think of it I can't think of other ways to ask that question, so just start answering.
1: Well, well, I mean, for me personally, like, so I went back and I actually watched the original Wonder Woman again last night. I watched uh, uh, Wonder Woman Two, Wonder Woman Eighty Four on Christmas Day when it came out, and it was super, super psyched. And so I went back to uh, the original Wonder Woman, the Twenty Seventeen Wonder Woman, uh, last night and watched it. it with my son, and um, and again, you know, you referenced the uh, the No Man's Land thing and same the tears happen man because you're just like like it gets you it gets you for clamped and there's so many great moments and i honestly like looking back at that original wonder woman watching it again last night it's a masterpiece in terms of like uh the uh, you know the kind of confines that it had to operate in in terms of being a blockbuster hit certain action beats uh fulfill all the fanboy poor shit um But beyond that, like, it's a tremendous film. Chris Pine and Gal Gadot have, like, an incredible chemistry. Um, They did a really beautiful job. I mean, speaking from a male perspective here, they did a really beautiful job handling Chris Pine's character. Because the easy out would have been him, the masculine dickhead male who's kind of a prick and learns a lesson by the end of the movie. And what I really loved about Wonder Woman is we didn't have to fall into that trope. Like, at least with Chris Pine, like, he found a nuanced, interesting, fun version of being like, holy shit, I'm the fish out of water when he was in Themyscira. And 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 he took it all in. And then when he brings her into the, um, you know, brings her into World War One era, uh, London and things like that, like at no point does he ever underestimate her or treat her like shit or say like women should only act this way. He's just like the world's kind of not ready for you and he's not wrong, right? And so for us, the catharsis, like for me, you know, I, I – I think if you're a fucking human being and you have human feelings watching you know somebody transcend all these bullshit fucking limiters that we sort of put on half of our fucking population. sorry I'm getting heated here but but when you see these you know when you see a, a mainstream popcorn film transcend all that bullshit and and give us somebody to root for and and, and, and you know someone who's gonna break that glass ceiling in such a dynamic and incredible way, like it opens your heart and like so again, watching watching Wonder Woman first, I was like, this is a masterpiece. And so when I got to Wonder Woman 2, there's lots to love, but there's a lot that's mediocre. And I think for me personally, that was sort of the heartbreak because I really wanted, um, I don't know, did you, I, Jill, Sharon, did you guys see the Wonder Woman trailer that had new orders uh, Blue Monday? Um, go back. It's like my favorite trailer of the year. One of my favorite trailers of the decade. I recommend anyone listening right now to go back and watch it. It's two minutes of pure like exhilaration because it's pumped to this 80s soundtrack. Anyway, I I was so put a link
0: to it. Sorry. I was just going to say, we're going to put a link to that trailer in the show notes for this episode. And then public domain stuff that we can will be in the links for this episode.
1: Yeah. Anyway, I would recommend guys like go back and watch it. It's, it's pure bliss. And so I was so, so psyched for this movie. And like I said, there's a lot to love in it, but there's a lot that it just doesn't quite get there. And it broke my heart a little bit. Now, I also, you know, before we throw to Jill and stuff, I also want to talk about, like, just as maybe with something to reference as we move on. Because, like, this movie is glorious in parts and mediocre in parts. It's it's not a home run to me. But there's also a lot of, like, uh, incel fanboy basement dwellers who are, like, um, I was looking at the YouTube video reviews of things. And uh, uh, well, let's see here. What do they they call it? Uh They called it an epic fail, complete garbage, uh, a disaster and a waste of time, uh, devoid of logic, and uh, one of the most bewildering ones that I saw. Uh, This film hates men. (laughs) So I don't know, I I just wanna, I just sort of wanna put it out there because if we're gonna, before we dive into character and motivation and like all those kind of things, I just sort of wanna preface it by like, when I see all these sort of butthurt men being like, you know, like attacking this movie relentlessly. I'm like, what movie did you guys watch? Because yeah, it's not a home run, but holy crap, like there's still a lot to love. Anyway, Jill, I want to throw it to you, what, did, what were your impressions of the film?
3: Well, I agree with everything that you just said, um, especially the Chris Pine part. And I, and, um, I really also loved at the end, connected to that, that it wasn't some big romance, like when she saw the dude, Again, you know, that it, it, just the, the message overall at the end of the movie, I felt was really strong and, and really beautiful and actually really good for empowering young people, I think. Um, and just people in general, like even though like some parts of it were kind of cheesy, I, I like the message behind it. And I would think that it would be something that would be good to watch with with kids you know like i think it's a good family movie too myself that's what i felt um i i overall enjoyed it there were some times where i felt a little like okay let's let's move this along right but most of the time i i really enjoyed the independence of the females in the in the movie and um I have, the, my biggest issue was with the Kristen Wiig character. I felt they kind of missed, missed a lot with that. I thought they could have had a lot more fun with her. I think the transition between those two characters, you know, kind of like what Michelle Pfeiffer did with, with Catwoman, you know, just that, that contrast. Either she, either she changes and she's amazed by her changes Or she's just suddenly a new person and and emboldened that but it was just kind of like this. Here I am a new woman. It was just kind of sloppy a little and, you know, I would have liked to have seen more contrast and then all of a sudden I was like is Kirsten Wiig starring in cats. What is going on at the end of this movie. I'm like, what is happening here. Somebody, should, should, she have, should 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 have Wonder Woman have saying um, memories instead of imagine? Maybe she would have gotten more of a response on social media. You know what I'm
0: saying? <laughs> um, Jill, just just to speak to to what you were talking about about uh, the Kristen Wig transformation, the uh, like I I thought it was great casting. I I think I think that it was a bit mishandled. I think there was more they could have done with the character, but there was. There was that moment, or you know, that scene where she's running through the streets and she encounters the um, the sex- the guy who'd been, who had been who had sexually harassed her, assaulted her in some way, and and the way that she reacted, I feel, is that's a way that we haven't seen um, that we haven't we haven't seen you know the the antagonist presented, you know, the female antagonist, you know, presented in a, in a different way, you know, and I, I thought it gave her some nuance there and I, I thought it was just handled. So I thought, I thought that was just handled, you know, so well. Um, I didn't like the cat's part either. <laughs> so, but I, I did think though that the, that the wonder woman, um, that the wonder woman, uh, at versus Barbara, cause it's before she does her full, you know, she becomes the apex predator, uh, that battle in the in the white house was just so dope i loved it just so much sharon you, you did a wave
2: i i feel like the i mean the cheetah character is you know an iconic supervillain so f- for her to be just kind of like suddenly a cheetah i feel like the that came out of nowhere i would have liked to hear more about her zoology Yeah, the apex predators she had that cheetah stuffy in her office but it just was in the background like it would have been more interesting if she spoke to it or petted it and she became and then so it became something inside her that she just couldn't control anymore and um instead it just kind of came out of nowhere she just was like oh wearing leopard print and then suddenly (laughs) she was a cgi cheetah which was super annoying but
0: (laughs) Maybe they thought though, they're like maybe this, like, I don't know, maybe they <laughs> conceived of it before Cats was released and people were so excited for it. And we're like, okay, we got a. We gotta, we gotta include that. Um, I just, I, I, gotta give this peek behind the curtain there. So I have, the, I've like introduced this thing where people should like wave in their little Zoom room um, when, when they want me to go to them next, and because it's Wonder Woman, everybody's doing like you know the, the Wonder Woman, you know the, the bracelet singing. Christian just did it, and I really just love to see it. You love to see it. All right, Christian, there you go. Sorry.
1: Well, that was, I mean, I think, I think one of the, one of the most frustrating aspects of this film is, like when I first watched it, I love the two openings. There was sort of talk about how Patty Jenkins, the studio wanted her to cut one of those two openings, the mall opening or the uh, other opening. Um, and I love both those openings. I was super down. I was like, I liked the way this movie is starting. Like it was dynamic and fun. Um, I also really liked that uh, Lily Aspell came back. So she played Wonder Woman at eight, I think in uh, 2017. Um, the 2017 Wonder Woman, and she came back for this one, and apparently she did all her own stunts as well. Um, But, yeah, like, I think what they were kind of going for in this film was a high camp. Like, I feel like Patty Jenkins wanted to go for, like, a full Richard Donner, Superman, Superman 2, the original, like, 80s-style film. Um, So I feel like there was a lot of tropes and, and conceits that we had sort of seen before that she was sort of bringing in To, um, you know, to say, hey, look at this. This is going to be a different movie than Wonder Woman. This is going to be its own entity. We're going to do sort of a high camp 80s feel of like Superman. There's going to be honor and nobility. But I don't feel like it completely landed. And I sort of feel like, I feel like what would have been interesting in 2020 is to subvert some of those tropes. Because like, I feel like the Cheetah character kind of got done dirty a little bit in terms of, like it was literally that sort of 80s, 90s trope of, look, I'm frumpy. I've got glasses on. Whoops. I took the glasses off. Now I'm super badass. at Again, it's, I, I, and I didn't feel like I got a sense that either Patty Jenkins was making fun of that trope or, or just diving all the way in. Like it just felt like kind of a meh middle ground. And for certain tropes like that, I feel like you either need to really ex-, ex find, I don't know, there just needs to be a new way in. Like I've seen, like when I was like, oh, that's where we're going, that's where I got a little bored. Cause I'm like, oh, I know what this is. She drops her suitcase, everything spills on the floor. She's in glasses, she's kind of awkward. I'm like, oh, I I know the blueprint of exactly how this is gonna go. And if you're gonna set up that trope, then subvert it in some way or find a new delicious, fun way to do it, right? Sabrina, you wanted to add something there?
0: Yes, I did. I'm just wondering if we're asking too much of this movie. Um, If we're, if, you know, like if we're asking because it is Wonder Woman and because it's a female director and because Wonder, you know, the first movie was just so just it just changed the game in a lot of ways like this like are we asking too much you know because in the end and I can't believe I'm saying this especially as somebody who is you know who like is living and breathing you know sci-fi and superheroes but it's a superhero movie <laughs> you know like is are we expecting every character to you know to have like you know these very fleshed out nuanced journeys you know um and like I think it's a big deal in the end that this was a film that was about, about grief. So touching
2: on what both you're saying, the, um, the 80s aspect, I actually liked the 80s aspect, and I think they could have taken it even further and explored because 80s was a time of excess in human society. So uh, I think also ultimately that was the theme too, like the wishes and the want and people wanted. And all the things that people were wishing for were Porsches and like things mostly. So it be- that was so 80s to me. And I would have liked to even taken that even further because when it starts off in the mall sequence and everyone's got the 80s and all the 80s stuff. I was so in, I was so down for that. And um, myself, like when I went into watching this film, I completely know that um, nothing was gonna be as good as the original Wonder Woman. The original Wonder Woman meant so much because it was a first. And you always remember your first. So it was so, it was so special for what it was. I knew that nothing would ever compare to it. So I went into it knowing that I was gonna have to just sit back and just like take a ride and not have huge expectations. But you know, just because I'm in the film industry, there was lots of little problems that I saw that like I'm surprised that the producers didn't see and fix.
1: Yeah. Was, well, well,
3: well,
0: what were the? I'm sorry, we're gonna go to Jill in a minute, but you can't leave us hanging. What were <laughs> some of those problems, you know, that the producers well, needed that, to like, fix?
2: everybody makes a wish on the stone, right? And the stakes should have been so much higher for the wish. Like even when Wonder Woman makes her wish on the stone, like she didn't even know the significance of the stone. It would have been so much more interesting if there was a history behind it that she was familiar with. So that when she does kind of go for it and make a wish for Steve to come back, it would mean something. But instead she had a throwaway wish. It was like a throwaway wish. And then he showed up. And then, um, and every time they make a wish, they lose something. And so, when um, Kristen Wigg's character makes a wish and she essentially loses her humanity, that's what she loses. But we didn't see enough of her humanity in the beginning of the film in order for her to lose it. Like, mm. it, she sh- they should have shown her, like, volunteering with homeless people. And then later on in the film, we should have seen, like, a homeless person getting beaten up and her not doing anything about it. And then we would have gone oh my god she's completely lost her humanity like the stakes weren't high enough for everybody
0: yeah Jill Morrison
2: yeah I totally agree with with all of that and
3: I um and I can you know only watch it from the perspective of as an actor I'm not a director or anything like that but for me if I was playing that role um I would have absolutely thought about those kind of contrasts and those kind of extremes but, so I'm watching it and I'm like, is it the director or is it the actor? And I actually, and I really hope that I hope and I, Kristen Wiig isn't listening to this or doesn't. <laughs> but I actually just don't think she's strong enough of an actor to play the role. Uh, she just didn't have enough depth in her voice. I felt like it was very, it was very plateaued and very one leveled for me. Um, and when I watch something like that, where I'm like, oh, what I would do with that part or what what I would do with this role or how I would do it, that's how I watch things. I'm sure you guys do too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just felt like she just didn't have the depth to make me care about her.
0: Do you have a, a, you want to do some dream recasting then? Like, is there another actor that you would have put in that role who you think would have done well, a job? Oh.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, uh, there's, like, the obvious, like, strengths, but, like, you know, you'd be, like, yeah, like, Meryl Streep. But, honestly, I felt, I feel like Michelle Pfeiffer, the the depth she brought Catwoman is the kind of depth this role needs. So, I wouldn't, I, I, I would think there's probably a lot of, of women that could do this part really well, actually. There's probably a lot. But women we know, non-famous and famous act. Like we know a lot of actors that have depth and levels to them, right? I just felt like she didn't have any of that.
0: Yeah. In in
3: that first scene where she comes and drops the thing, she does her curse and wake thing that's funny for like five minutes. And then you're like, come on, man. Let's let's build it. Let's build a human
2: here.
1: Yeah. Do you think, I mean, Jill, do you think that she was also kind of undone by a weaker script? Like I would like, like one of the questions I sort of pause it. Like I hear what you're saying, Sabrina. That any, you know, the first one's a masterpiece, and I know that a lot of elements sort of have to gel, and magic sometimes just sort of has to happen to to make a great first film. But at the same time, like you know, I'm gonna Sabrina, I'm gonna throw this to you because you know, there's Star Wars, and then there's Empire Strikes Back. You know, like a sequel can raise the game at every level, and I feel like where this movie was kind of undone was on the script level. It felt like a second draft or a third draft. It did not feel like, you know what I mean? They had like eight little threads, but I don't feel like everything coalesced. And I sort of, that's where I feel like, you know, I hear what you're saying about Jill about Kristen Wade, but don't you, don't you think that she was also sort of undone by sort of a tired trope? We've literally seen a million times before that maybe didn't serve her all that well either.
3: Yeah. Like that's probably absolutely a factor. Cause as we know, as actors, the better the writing is, the better we look and the easier it is for us as we know. Um, and it's such a gift to us. Often when we have be- these beautiful scripts um, and we have things where we have to work, you know, harder at to make, you know, makes, make it good. I, I would just say that actually, I just don't think that she has the, 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 it, to me, it was her voice. It was her lack of voice. Hmm. That, that was a big problem I had in general. Like, especially at the end, um, when she's doing her whole speech, when she has this tangled with the an- with the ankle. I didn't really un- understand. Like, he's screaming his whole role, and she's like, <laughs> I'm like, what's the, what's the tone in here? So does she speak really quietly in the whole world here? Is that what's happening when he has to yell? I just started, did they film these sides differently? I started saying what's going on here. So for me, it was the voice thing. I was like, I just wanted more gutturalness, more use of the voice that, I mean, at least that's what I would do. If my character was going through these transitions where all of a sudden I become the, the star of Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cats, the musical, I would really want to use my vocal levels. I'm just yeah, saying. She's an animal. She's an animal. Yeah, there it was. It was just
0: very like. I I mean, I would. Okay, so a couple things. No, you mentioned Empire Strikes Back, so I do want to address that. Star Wars: A New Hope was literally called Episode Four. You know, so there was a plan. There was a plan. Right? There was a plan. I don't know that when Wonder Woman started that, you know, that, and I'm talking about, you know, the film thing, it was a plan. A lot of the original stuff was, you know, like, let's it, we got to introduce her so that she fits into all these other films that we're planning featuring the dudes, right? You know, so, and I, I also, so, so that's one part of it. But I guess the other part of it is that I don't, I mean, we're spending so much time talking about Cheetah, about Barbara, and and yet, and yet, I don't think she was treated... Um, I, I don't think that she was the central villain of this and that she was given the placement that she deserved beyond being comic, comic relief, right? So we have this, um, the Pedro Pascal, you know, as Max, Maxwell Lord, which was really interesting casting. Um, and, you know, especially in this age, especially after yesterday, after January 6th, 2021, you know, um... There was a part of me, and I'd love to spend some time talking about about this character of Maxwell Lord because there is there's I, I've see, I've seen it mentioned, you know, like is oh well this this character is like totally just Donald Trump and you know so so it's too it's he's too much he's too deranged and yet um, I thought that Pedro Pascal lifted the role above the cliches. The fact is that we do actually have a president for the next couple of weeks in in charge of the free world unless they go forth with the whole 25th amendment thing, because Um, uh, my views do not reflect the views of this podcast, although they probably totally do. Um, You know, but, but so we got to, but because of having this character there, you know, we didn't get to see Donald Trump deranged pacing around the white house yesterday. We get to see Maxwell Lord, you know, totally deranged and breaking down, you know, and, and dealing with that, um, with that idea like what is the what is the key to undoing all the evil that he is he is inflicting because he's driven completely by by selfishness by his own desires Um, and that is to renounce your wish if you want to save the world you know so to watch it after yesterday and being like dude if this Donald Trump just renounces his wish you know uh, then it's gonna save the world you know so I thought like I, I think it was intentional Obviously, I mean, even the way that they, you know, uh, they, they, he, the character lightened his hair, and the way that it was shared, just in a sort of swoop. Uh, thing. yeah, and it, it was swooped, and, and um, I, I don't know where we're pointing. If you're gonna point oh, no. in directions, gestures. we're all in different directions. No. I'm sure. I'm just
1: I'm <laughs> making fun because he had the he the Maxwell Lord had the hand gestures. You know what I mean? It's good to have everything, but don't you yeah. want more? Like, oh, that's such. A, I love that,
0: me. But I guess my yeah. question is, it, does that for you, like for me, that in inha- the fact that this was a, a caricature, um, an homage—you could even say to Donald Trump—that that that made um, a different, like that. I think benefited the film um, because we are still existing in this historic moment. But I'm wondering for, for all of you, uh, you know, who are with me in the zoom room, you know, like what, what did, did did the fact that Maxwell Lord was like, okay, that's Donald Trump there. Um, like, what did that, what did that do for you? Or did you not see Donald Trump at all?
1: I, th- I just want to say, like, I, th- I think Jill made a really good point talking about how the themes of this movie, um, needed to be heard today like I think that there was a lot this movie had to say I saw one review where the guys like they have this opening scene on Scara and it has nothing to do with the rest of the movie and I'm like did we watch the same movie because the whole theme is she's trying to get ahead by cheating you know what I mean she's trying to get ahead without doing all the work that she needs to do and she has to learn a hard lesson and I'm you know and like for me as a parent I'm watching this going fuck yeah teach that kid some fucking lessons. And, and, you know, Oh, teach...
0: this is like a bean dad thing and we're not going to go there. Okay.
1: <laughs> well, I'm not going to make my kid run in a, <laughs> uh, the, the, the great American warrior course or in uh, Some lessons. but I'm, but I'm just saying like what I liked, what I, one of the things I really liked about the movie is I wish it had gotten its message off a, a little clearer because I do feel like the original wonder woman took its theme and, 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 nailed it with subtlety and grace and there's there's so much within the performance. There's, there's so many spaces of nuance with Chris Pine brings that like Gal Gadot brings and I feel like this one was a little ham-fisted with what it needed to try to tell tell us like I don't feel like it was nearly as clear like I love the message I love the fact that like you know what we need is truth what we have to do is on be honest with people you know, accept it because that's how we grow and that's how we get better. And this, this absorbing of more and more and more and things, 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 you know, you get it and you realize that you don't make, you're not gonna be happy, you know. That's some like Maxwell Lord being a Trump allegory, for sure, I, I think there's definitely elements in there. But one of the things I also wanted to bring up to Sharon and Jill too is like, it's interesting, he doesn't get a comeuppance in, the, in, the, in this film, right? Like he runs and finds his son and they embrace, and that's the end of the story, right? So he really doesn't get a comeuppance, but he learns a lesson. And I'm just kind of curious, I wanna throw out to you guys, like, I wanna to touch um, Sharon and Jill, like, do you think it was an allegory for Trump? And do you think that he should have received a comeuppance? Or were you okay with him learning a lesson without, you know, getting that classic American puritanism? Uh, you know, we, the last episode we talked about the Hayes Code, where if someone does a murder by the end of the movie, we have to see them punished. And this was a code back in the 30s. We had, they have to get punished. And so I just found it interesting that we watch this movie and we don't see him get his retribution. And I've seen people kind of get upset about that and be like, why didn't he go, go to jail? Why didn't we see him get a thing? And I'm like, isn't it enough that he learned that he was kind of being a piece of shit and, and that, you know, he kind of learned his lesson. Anyway, Jill, Sharon, do you guys want to sort of speak to the Trump allegory and whether you think he should have received the comeuppance?
2: As I was watching it, I didn't actually see Trump right away. I saw almost the typical 80s villain in all those kind of movies where they're like, I'm going to take over the world. And it was that kind of villain. So I I didn't mind it. And then I I did see little bits of the Trumpisms. And, um... I liked that he wasn't punished and that he stopped the bad behavior in order to save the future, which is his son, really. Like, so he stopped his bad behavior because he, the love of his child is what stopped him. But when I watched it with my family, one of my family members was like, the son should have died. And then he would have been punished. And I was like,
3: oh my God. I definitely saw Trump. Uh, I thought it was quite funny when the the White House sign and his hair and he looked all crazy. I was like, "Is this a documentary? What's <laughs> happening?" But uh, like, I enjoyed that, and I enjoyed her trying to teach him and him him learning. I I liked that as well. You know, it was I felt it was refreshing.
1: Yeah, totally. And I mean, I was he
3: just did lose. Like
0: Sorry, Christian. Oh, we're doing say, that like, thing I, that we were I,
3: trying to talk about. But I, but she, how do we, <laughs> how do we, uh,
1: Well I just Okay, I, Christian, please. I was just gonna say, I've, it was refreshing in, a, in some way. To, and I think the only way we're gonna get out of the current morass that we sort of see ourselves in is that A, it's okay as a human to make mistakes and B, we gotta learn. And you know, if you go out and murder a bunch of people, yeah, sure. Well, I think you should probably spend some jail time, you know, but I but I but I also feel like, you know, we're in a weird place with cancel culture and with pulling up tweets from 15 years ago and saying, you know, obviously, if you said some piece of shit things, apologize for that and be better and and show that you've learned. But we were in this weird place where like, you know, I mean, thank God that there were no phone cameras around in the 90s because it would be to my eternal shame. There was a lot of bad, <laughs> terrible moments that I would not want on the internet, right? And so I feel like there was a time where I was allowed to make mistakes, and I feel like we're in this really weird black and white, and I don't know, again, I'm talking too much through this, but, but one of the things I like about super, superhero movies is when they present a more gray area, less of a black and white, because the world is not black and white, and the more that we can teach our kids it's not black and white, and there's areas of gray, and we have to find nuance in what happens because this whole, I feel like that's where the US is caught up in a kind of a tough place right now because everybody wants to be right or wrong. And I feel like, you know, there's gotta be somewhere where you meet in the middle. Now, you know, of course there's gonna be things that are clearly wrong. There's gonna be things that are clearly the right choice. But right now people can't seem to see that. And, And a movie that suggests that we can grow, evolve, and get better at being human beings, I think deserves a place in cinema. Sabrina, you wanted to.
0: Yeah, I mean, because you know, uh, a key difference uh, between Trump and Maxwell Lord is that uh, Maxwell Lord is a person of color, Um, and in in the end of the movie, we we get to see the trauma that he endured that that fed into fed into this. You know, it was one of these. um, You know, the the villain, like you know it has, has trauma and that trauma informed his worldview, you know? And so, you know, his, it, I found that really interesting and interesting choice. Um, I, I, I like to see it, uh, you know, because anything that, that breeds empathy, um, and understanding, uh, and makes villains more interesting, um, is, is I'm, I'm there for, and I would, I would argue, though, that um, he did. He did, in in the, especially in the context of the '80s, he did lose something. He didn't, you know. The, what is the American dream? What did it start with? Money, money, money. You know, um, he didn't get that. You know, so like there was the consequence. But what was so cool about that is that, like, what we see, what we see in that moment, um, is that he didn't want it in the same way anymore. It didn't seem. He just he only saw his kid, um, and uh, that I thought that was. I thought that was beautiful, and I thought that you know that made him. That was one of the ways that the the writing and also the poor the performance like lifted the role above the cliche. <laughs> okay, Christian, he did his well, Wonder Woman arms again. I love it. Yes, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, I was gonna say, Jill, like, um, how did you feel about Pedro Pascal's performance? I'm just sort of and I want to throw it to Sharon as well. But how did you feel? Because I mean, I feel like he was chewing the scenery but I also loved it. Like I love sometimes a big performance and it was a huge performance. It was theatrical almost in terms of performance. But for me, like, I, I don't know, I love these big choices, these huge commitments. I thought, cause I know Pedro can be again in the Mandalorian as for instance, he has a very reserved brought down, like, like ground performance. Like he clearly made choices to go very big in this. Do you think it served the movie or do you think it was like taking you out of the film?
3: Yeah, he to me, he was one of the highlights of the movie. I loved his broad performance. I felt like because, um, you know, everyone else was pretty grounded, you know, even when maybe like I, I would have liked to have seen actually Kristen Wiig match that even because uh, some it didn't match. Um, but I, I, I really enjoyed his performance and I thought it was nuanced. I loved his reactions to to especially the green screen things when you're watching him react to the whip like I, I love I really loved his work and I, I felt uh, you know he made the character sympathetic and to the point that you kind of almost knew he was gonna do the right thing because they did show from the beginning that he loved his son he would just he kind of he lost his way and I think that makes him relatable too to humans so I, I really enjoyed the extreme ex- the extremes he went to um but again
2: i also enjoy broad performances so
1: Sharon, what do you think
2: i agree yeah i agree with jill i liked the broad performance and I especially like what you just touched on that we saw he had a son and that he loved his son very much but he was just on the wrong path and then he was going to find his way back and um just quickly i want to touch on I wonder if it's because it's a female superhero movie where where that's that sort of heartfelt redemption um, is more acceptable, I wonder. Because one thing I love about the Wonder Woman franchise so far is that she gets more powerful when she feels love. Mm-hmm. So like at the end of the first one, when Steve's plane blows up, she just like gets even more powerful. And then in this one, when she finally lets go of him, but she loves him so much, she gets more powerful again. So I actually quite like that a superhero gets more powerful through love and it happens to be a woman. And I don't think love is a weakness. I think mm. it's a strength. So I like that it's been perpetuated in these, this new superhero film. That, well, is, guess, that, that, that a, is... That That is... Oh my god. You know what? We're the co-hosts here. We
0: need to figure out how to do this and not talk over each other. Also, Amy, this is where our chemistry comes from. But seriously, how ridiculous you and I Christian. Oh my well, god. We, 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 I give up. Everybody just
1: told <laughs> You were. Safe. Yeah, after you.
0: No, cuz I I was about to take what Sharon said about, you know, the fact that, you know, it's wonderful that that in, in this, you know, this Top female-led, um, you know, superhero franchise. That yes, we have we have love at the end, and yet I I wanted to address the fact that it's egregious, given that it's a woman-led superhero film, that it 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 makes a central misstep of of con- of consent. Uh, like the, <laughs> I, I I just I don't know. I was trying to make it all sound pretty. So that's what I want. I, I do. That's what I want to. I I. I do want to make sure that we spend some time talking about this because I, I mean, I have no clear, I, um, I have no clear answers, and it's you know I, I don't condemn the film completely, but there is the fact that uh, Steve's spirit takes over the body of like a 1980s man uh, without this man's consent, and Diana and Steve, you know, resume their romance. They sleep with each other. Um, She dresses up the stranger's body. She puts his life and limb at risk. And it's tone deaf considering the era. This is this is made in the Me Too era, and they don't even have a moral quandary and discussion about it. And instead, at the end of the movie, she like runs into this handsome guy who has his who has his body back, doesn't know what's the violence that's been done upon him, and like I just I was like, this is you all clearly have something to say about this, and I love that, but like I just I was. I was real, I'm angry, I'm angry about it. I'm, I'm angry that they've put me in a position where um, I am, I'm loving this film, but I'm like, you know, this is trash. This, you, can't, you can't, you can't do that in, in the era of Me Too. And we can't have, you know, like it's not even like a, a double standard thing. It's just don't, don't fucking do it. God damn it, Christian.
1: Well, I was gonna say, I mean, like I, this is where I sort of feel like this script needed another couple passes. Because I feel like things were half thought out. What's interesting, too, is this movie was shot in like 2018, um, like 2017 into 2018. And then it sat on the shelf for the last two years um, until it finally got released, like because they had they originally it was supposed to come out last year around this time. Um, and then it got kept getting pushed and then COVID happened and then it kept getting pushed, right? So I feel like, but even still by 2018, we were talking about consent and things like that. And I and I feel like maybe A, she was, maybe Patty Jenkins was going for that 80s trope of the uh, body swap, which she had sort of put out on social media, somebody had posited this theory and Jack uh, Patty Jenkins was like, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what it is. Cause 80s movies had all these body swap things like big, uh, vice versa, I'm bringing back some Judge Reinhold action there. Um, and uh, so she was sort of leaning into that aspect of it, but I, I and, and I also thought, you know, on my own, I don't feel like the movie presented this well, perhaps it was another aspect of the monkey's paw was that she's gaining her own pleasure, but the cost is this poor guy, yeah, who as you say, is sort of this meatbag for carrying Chris Pine around, but they don't even mention
0: that. I mean, they don't even mention that. Yeah. You know, like we're we're giving them like, oh, she must feel so bad about it, or they're, No, they were going through his clothes. She's judging his clothes. <laughs> they had sex. He almost died in yeah. Cairo. <laughs> That's it's just like I. I was really. I'm. I i do not know why you're laughing at me. I. Well, okay. Yeah. yeah fine. No, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit really, too much, but like it was. Oh, it no, made no, me it's very sad. upset. Clearly. That, it's true i'll be
1: fine (laughs) Well, no i uh, i i agree like i mean it's it's that's what again what i was sort of saying is like i really feel like the script could you know the fact that i'm sort of guessing at perhaps it was uh cost of the monkey's paw or things like that but yeah it's never suggested it's never offered up and it puts uh puts in a weird place especially with the hallmark ending like we as Vancouver actors are all quite familiar with Hallmark and it's like that Christmas ending is like literally straight out of Hallmark. He actually works, uh, I don't have his name, it's Christopher Padala, I think I might butcher his name. So my apologies, my man. But he works a ton in Hallmark movies actually. And, and so it's just, it was such a weird juxtaposition, um, uh, that ending to like sort of where the rest of the film was. Like I was just like, eh, you know, hey, remember when we fucked? You don't remember. You know what I mean? Like, he's just, you know, like I love that he wasn't out hitting on her because every other dude in this movie is like hitting on her all the time. There's times where she moves through the crowds. And so I thought it was a nice thing where he was like, hey, you know, he was kind of a decent dude who was just like, oh, hey, you know, it's beautiful, right? Yeah, great. And then moves on with his day. He wasn't like a douchebag or whatever, right? But it almost in some ways makes it worse as well because you're like this poor sweet dude you know he he didn't make the call anyway sharon jill do you guys want to
2: yeah what you just said like i like how um he didn't hit on her exactly but i also wanted her to feel something when she looked at him like why didn't she be like oh my god i just had sex with that body and i missed touching it like there should have been something instead she was just like ah shucks That was the guy. Or I I almost
0: killed you.
2: You almost
3: died. You drove a taxi in Egypt. Or you should get that mole checked on your backside. (laughs) What? How do you know about it? (laughs) Yes. Right? Right? Oh, God. No, but I, I mean, honestly, what you're saying with the with the script, they, they either could have made that super funny and really done the 80s spoof with the body swap and made it really, really clear, or they just kind of do, like, a few weird jokes in the mirror, and then you're like, what? So, yeah, that part was, I agree, not, not good. Not good.
1: Kind of tone deaf. Not good. Yeah.
3: But toned like I feeling like it could still be a family movie because I'm not sure how many people unfortunately will pick up on it. I don't know. You yeah. know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I well, they yeah. they will. Everybody's
0: going to listen to this episode and they will pick up on
1: it. Sorry, and they for they some <laughs> I'm a Big fan. Big fan.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'd love to hear from everybody and I want to all start cuz I literally called this Sabrina's Woo! list. Um are are the moments that like made you like woo, even internally or mild woo or whatever. But these are the ones where I like I got I got those, I got the feel. So one of them is when Steve, nineteen forty Steve, is seeing um not nineteen forties, he was World War One, right? He's World World War War One. World War I, Steve. So he's seeing punks and preps and high-speed trains and escalators and breakdancing. while Voy que Sapete from Mozart's Nozze de Figaro plays in the background. I just, I thought that was, that, I mean, I have a little background as an opera singer, but it was just, that was just so, that was so beautiful to see. Um, The moment where she, where they're in the plane, and, uh, and, she, and he's like, oh, Radar, what are we going to do? And she's like, oh, well, there's this thing that my father did. And I've, I've, I made it uh, to make but the, uh, the mascara disappear. And then we see have the introduction of the invisible jet. And I totally had an invisible jet. And I wish I still had it. Damn it. Um, I, and then they flying through the fireworks. I love the whole, despite the fact that they almost killed handsome guy, um, the whole Egyptian highway adventure. I thought that that was really well done um maxwell lord in the oval office going off the rails mostly because of the trump stuff um when diana renounces her wish and then just turns the corner and walks away and gets to the business at hand um when she uses lightning strikes to swing with her lasso um and uh and then I, the biggest ah Um, especially as somebody who grew up in the, in the eighties, um, was seeing fucking Linda Carter, you know, appearing, you know, in that credit scene as Asteria. Uh, that was like, I, I wept at that and, um, God, I hope we get to see her more. So, so who wants to share some of their woo moments? No one
2: wooed? mine are essentially the same when they say that they got to go to Cairo and they got to find a plane i literally thought to myself i'm like it would have been great if she had an invisible jet but yeah. uh and then they, and then when they did it i was like yeah, they did it but that's my thought was like if she had her jet she'd be fine but um I, my one, one of my woos was uh, the car chase when he smashes his car into the back of the other car and the windshield blows out and then he climbs through the windshield while still moving. I was like, yes, because in car chases, you don't get really very many original things happening, but that was a little bit more fun. Yeah. And his car Mm -hmm. was an old taxi
0: as well. Right. Like, and you know, it's not like Mm -hmm. it just, it was so, it was gorgeous. Love that scene. The camera work
3: was amazing in the action scenes, like truly, like genius camera work. Yeah. And I I really loved how she didn't want to hurt anyone either. Like and very anti-gun as well, which I thought was good. Um, uh, I just love the beginning and the mall scene, the beginning mall scene, that, that action. Anytime she flies and whooshes, I love it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm also I'm a huge sucker for like one of my wow moments it was just getting uh, Steve Trevor back. Um, I just I like I I just love the the I feel like they've got a great chemistry. Uh, Chris Pine, probably my favorite Chris. I mean, maybe we can go around and say what you, who your favorite Chris is, but but I, I, there is something about uh, Chris Pine. Chris Pine brings an energy and an earnestness um, and there's a nuance. And so, you know, I just really feel like he cares about her and loves her and like respects her for who she is. And it doesn't feel like, you know, uh, I don't know. It just doesn't, it doesn't feel like lust. It feels like there's like a connecting of two souls and, um, and, but also the frustrations, even watching Wonder Woman back again, like when he's you know, trying to hustle her through town. He's trying to show her like, he's still like, he's like, you can't, you can't dress like that. Like, you know what I mean? But at no point it, it felt, it felt like real and organic and kind of truthful. Like, yeah, the goodbye moment. I got a little, I got a little teary too. The one day, you know what I mean? I I liked how they shot it. I loved how she just sort of leaves him behind and turns and he's, we just, and we just sort of catch her wisp. And there's a, there's a sorrow to that because it felt much more like a real goodbye versus You know what I mean? Like having to run away and just sort of walk away. There's no right time. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't picturesque. It was just like, she's just got to break herself away and go. And it wasn't enough. It'll never be enough. And you know what I mean? Like, and I really felt those moments like of her and the wonder in the plane and things like that. Like, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, it's, for me, it's so frustrating because there is, I don't want to hijack the moments of wonder, but there are so many things that like I loved when we're talking about the plane. Like, yes, I was like, invisible plane. Yeah, but they could have like, but I would have bought her turning the plane invisible a little more if we'd had a moment with her in her office in the first 20 minutes and she's actually trying to do the coffee cup. Do you know what I mean? Like we just have a moment of her like making the coffee cup disappear and then Cheetah walks in and she's like, whoa, what, what? What's going on? I just, it would have set it up as opposed to her being in the plane being like, oh, I saw my dad do this once and we've never done this before. You know, and again, same with the Egypt thing. Like they're literally, I get it, superhero movies. Yes, there's convention. But watching the first one last night, I was like, they tie all these things in so beautifully. It's It was a really incredible script that brings all the nuance and then gave Patty Jenkins free reign to tell the story really well. So again, like she flies all the way to Cairo or and Egypt and Egypt's is pretty big place and she's like oh there he is as they cross on a highway you know I'm just like uh ugh. you know I just felt like quick solutions to like problems in the script they're like oh they'll just cross each other so I for me I mean as I feel like we're starting to get to the end of the thing like my I there was so much I loved about this movie and there was so much that was frustrating because I wanted this movie to be like one of my favorites of 2020 and well considering there has isn't been a lot I've seen it is still one of one of my favorites in terms of pure spectacle getting whisked away enjoying like a ride but but i but it's not like in the pantheon of like films where i'm like holy shit i can't wait to show my kid this movie you know sabrina
0: chris evans is the best chris chris <laughs> evans is captain america and if you follow him on twitter you know that i mean he he puts his he puts his money where his mouth is and that's all i need to say on that
2: Uh (laughs) uh-huh chris pine has the most full lips i've ever seen on a caucasian man so okay
0: are we talking about the kissability or the best person Fine. Take Chris Pine's lips and stick them on Chris Evans. And then he, Chris Evans is super Chris. <laughs> Jill, you want to get involved in
3: this conversation? <laughs> I like all the Chris's. Every one of them. Every one of them. But I love Chris Pine. I love I don't Chris like, Pine. He I he's, he's a great performer. She
2: doesn't dis
1: <laughs> oh. Oh. worked hard for that one, Sharon. Nice you know who does
0: though? You know who does? Apparently, it's Chris Pratt. I'm just gonna say he is the worst Chris, and you can go down a rabbit hole. He's he's. I love him. Love him in Guardians of the Galaxy. Love him in Parks and Rec. But you're not the best Chris. i a long shot. Okay. Really? so <laughs> Oh oh yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's, a, um,
0: it's a rabbit hole. It's a rabbit hole where you learn about um, s- s- some of the groups he's affiliated with that have anti LGBTQ no leaning. No, no. So that's not Chris Pine. That's Chris Pratt. Chris Pine, best lips, awesome Star Trek. Chris Evans, actual Captain America in real life. Um, Sharon looks like she's gonna fight me. I'm scared. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I right. think I feel like um like this is the part of the show where where we're gonna do what we do and and say whether or not we would recommend this film to others so who would like to go first with their recommendation jill morrison i like the way you talk oh only to you um
3: i would say i'd say hell yeah i mean i think it's a great movie i enjoyed it um and obviously there are a few glitches and i agree with this script maybe being you know after this whole discussion i'm like you are right it it really is all about the script it's always always about the script so i would agree with that um but i in general enjoyed the movie and i feel like it's worth people's time for
2: if they want to enjoy themselves
1: Boom!
2: I agree I recommend the movie as well um but just know going into it that you're watching a superhero movie and that um the novelty of seeing Wonder Woman for the first time will not exist anymore so it is what it is and it's I recommend it for the fun of it
0: oh such a ditto I did owe you both. I, I did owe you both um, with my best mid-Atlantic, mid-Atlantic <laughs> accent. Um, I I watched this early this morning, as I said, on January seventh after that awful, awful day in Washington, and um, it it, despite the fact that a huge chunk of it takes place in Washington, despite the fact that you have that like allegorical Donald Trump, despite the fact, maybe because of the fact that. Um, it's, it's just it's the same it's the same venue it's the same emotions um, it's just it is what I needed to watch it it is not the first film as Sharon just said but it it is it is that kind of superhero film um, that that has all the spectacle and um, and the catharsis that we need and honestly I'm looking forward to uh, watching it uh, again um, but this time with my child I'll try not to yell so much while she's watching it like I did the first time. So, what about you, Mr. Sloan?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would definitely, I would definitely say it's so a recommended in terms of a, a welcome diversion um, and in terms of um, um, a fun spectacle movie. I would definitely say, like, go lower expectations. Um, you know, like I say, I, that, that first movie, watching it again last night, um, I was, like, in tears multiple moments. Like, there's just such raw, genuine emotion and there's so much... Uh, captured in that film and there's just such a commitment to the era of the time and like there's just a great balance like I really feel like Patty Jenkins and the team like absolutely knocked that one out of the park and so for myself it was a little heartbreaking to not see this one live up at least at least to that quality and like while I I, you know I don't I just don't feel like I want to make excuses I feel like Uh, there's been enough time that they could have figured out ways to make it work. Um, You know, again, there's, and I have little complaints. Like I I do feel like I love the eighties aspect, but I felt like it could have gone farther. um, And I felt like the script, uh, you know, had, had failures that like, you know, like I said, one or two more passes really could have done wonders. (laughs) See what I did there. Um, But overall, overall, I, (laughs) I, (laughs) overall though I would definitely say it's it's a parched landscape there is not a lot out there and sometimes if you want to watch something fun with your family um, with that has great messages that need to be heard like I like I said I feel like so much of escapist entertainment doesn't lean into uh, sending you anything other than whiz-bang wow look at that we blew that shit up real good oh whoa look at that shit blow up and I really want to honor the fact that Patty Jenkins and her team um, even though it got a little muddled, had a message speaking truth to like the human condition, what we need versus what we want uh, and how we go about our lives really has an impact on everybody. And I, so overall I would definitely say, although it's a bit of a muddled mess, there's a lot to love. And I would definitely say it's worth a watch for sure. And I can't wait till Wonder Woman 3. I'm, I feel like there's lessons to be learned. Patty Jenkins has signed on for Wonder Woman 3 and, uh, I'll, I'll still be there with bells on, on opening weekend, hopefully in a movie theater.
0: Yes. And I hope to be cosplaying in that Asteria golden armor with the wings. Cause that yes. is how I want to watch Wonder Woman 3. Uncomfortably standing in the corner though, cause you can't like sit down, but <laughs> it'll, will be worth it. This was such a good episode. Can I say that, can I say that? I mean, we're not done yet. We are about to be done, but like I, this was a really good one. Not that yeah. I no, no. disrespect to our other ones, especially the one that Sharon was on. Anyway, thank you for coming. I love this so much, Sharon Taylor, Jill Morrison, my Amazon. Thank you. That was so fun.
1: I want to say I want to say thank you for you guys joining us. Uh, hopefully, maybe we can bring you back for Wonder Woman three, and if you guys are down, in a the theater, hang out in the in the studio, we talk face to face. We can talk over each other. It'll be amazing. Sabrina and I can just like try to top one another. It'll be incredible. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Sharon, thanks again for joining us. Uh, Jill, thank you for joining us for the first time. Hopefully thank this is not the last time. Uh, well, I, I want to say your noise uh, of, of Kristen Wiig's performance. I feel like you captured her whole performance in a... Mm-hmm. <laughs> you nailed it. I don't, I don't know how, to, how else to say it, but like <laughs> you made one tiny noise. And I feel like you captured two and a half hours of Kristen Wiig's performance. So thank you. I appreciate that. Thank
0: you. Um, where, right, well, where can our listeners find you and follow you and celebrate you and all that you do on the social media? Who me?
3: Yeah, That's you. Right. Yeah, oh, yeah, you. Well, I'm on the gram.
1: Nice. What's, they didn't, your, they what's didn't. block your handle?
3: me. They didn't block you. Me for the rest of my term. <laughs> <laughs> Jill, it's Jilly Morrison. Jillie Morrison. I'm on the gram. I'm on the twit, the Twitter.
1: And you're busy filming uh, Motherland season two. Is that right? No, I'm
3: not there yet. But
1: oh, I will okay. be, hopefully.
3: Ooh. We'll see. Miss, I'm, I'm filming Made right
1: now. Oh, Ooh. very nice. That's another sure. one. I'm excited. The writing on that show is pretty phenomenal. So It's, it's
3: fucking amazing.
1: Yeah. Sorry. No, no. no hey, you, you, you can fucking swear. Form? Yeah.
0: Yeah, and Jill is fucking amazing in everything she does. I just rewatched all of Project Blue Book. And she's pretty great, especially in those bullet bras. Working for the, they, the Air they're Force. Real,
3: they're real authentic bullet bras. No, know. I
0: could tell. I could really tell. hurt. Yeah, we suffer. We suffer. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes
3: I'm like, why? No one can tell. Yeah. So like, I think no, it helps your posture,
0: not. though. Like, I, I, I'd like to. Assume. I don't know.
3: I mostly just de-
0: it's not good. Yeah, <laughs> but it's good. I'm not complaining. <laughs> looked great. It looked great. So, yeah, um, Sharon Taylor, where can people find
2: you and follow you on the social meds? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Sharon C Taylor, and then Instagram at Sharon T was here. Sharon twas here. Sharon twas here. What are you? What are you, rocking,
1: <laughs> what are you rocking, Sharon, right now? That we gotta keep an eyeball up for? Is there anything uh, new and exciting you want to? Talk? I'm
2: I'm shooting, I'm shooting the show Big Sky right now. Yes, you yeah, uh, Montana Highway Patrol.
1: Yeah, nice. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. Good.
2: That's a David E Kelly show,
3: isn't
1: it? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's going so cool up pretty big
1: they just they just brought it back for they did the back six or something like that as well for it, I hear. So
2: yeah, yeah. It was originally just supposed to be ten episodes and now they're doing sixteen. Boom. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah and, and if anybody
0: needs a real true diversion from the dumpster fire that is the current like earth, Um, please watch Jan season one and two uh, on CTV app because Sharon is uh, fucking hilarious as uh, Jan Arden's on again, off again, girlfriend. Um, And I haven't watched Big Sky yet, but I'm assuming it's like about like the sky is like big and it devours people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd be disappointed it. if it's not like that. All right, all right. Let's bring this to a this to a close. Christian, say those words. Say the words. All right,
1: sounds good. I want to say thank you to our editor Simon Fermiger, uh to Dane Devilliers for our original music, and to you, our listeners, for listening. Of course, I also want to uh, do a big shout out to Jill and Sharon for joining us. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Screen Scene Sock. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Screen Scene Society. And of course, you can find us online at ScreenSceneSociety.com. The Screen Scene Society podcast is a production of Fish Flight Entertainment's YVR Screen Scene. And with that, I call this meeting of the Screen Scene Society to be adjourned.
2: Screen Scene Society!